you know, maybe a divorce has, has uh, uh, hurt you, maybe a, uh, an abusive situation, not necessarily physical, but emotional. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're dealing with today, but God does. And he has a plan for each and every one of us in regards to breaking the mirror, letting go of what was, and moving on to what is. So I want to encourage all of us. If I had to do for myself, as I'm sitting here on that dock, and I'm reflecting on my past and the people that I've hurt, the people that I have disappointed, the God of the world that I disappointed. And it's time to move on sometimes. And let go. And break the mirror. So I just want to encourage you. Don't let, as Pastor comes and preaches this morning, there may be someone here. You just need to talk to somebody. We're not uh, we're not someone to confess to. I don't hold that. I don't hold that. That's, that's all that has to be. You just may need to pray with somebody. I can't help but believe there are people in this congregation that are holding on to something that's keeping them from being all that God has designed for them to be. Let it go. Let it go. Don't let what other people think about you or what's happened in your past to keep you from moving. Because he's all that matters, whether you like him or not. <laughs> he's all that matters. So let go. There may be somebody here this morning who's pastor preaches. And maybe you're like me. Or like I was. Man, I've been in the Word of God forever. Ever since I was born. I spent nine months of my life in the church. I knew the Bible from crumbles and backwards and backwards. As lost as I could be. That knowledge kept me lost because I felt so pure. You made this point and made me just finally say, you know what? I'm going to swallow my pride and I'm going to let go of what God had my life. I've walked out of my mountain and I've prayed out of my mountain prayer. But it wasn't until I established that relationship. Jesse was preaching and I realized that conviction of never having that true relationship. Christ, worrying more about what you thought more so than what Jesus thought. That's what changed my life. And I'll never forget walking into that council room and saying, I just want to know how I leave here today. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, I pray God that you will allow you to get up and let him have full control of your life. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness in the giving and uh, of your tithes and your offerings. We are so, so thankful for that. Um, we want to go to the Lord's Prayer and pray over that, if you don't mind. God, we just thank you for this time that we can come together as a church family. I pray that no one leaves this place without me. No one beyond the shadow of a doubt that they know Jesus Christ as their personal and Savior. I pray today, God, that there will be those who lay at the foot of the cross whatever burden, whatever hurt, whatever that they've been dealing with for years. May they leave it at the foot of the cross and know that God in heaven has forgiven them and 
the God that you have tossed it as far as the east is from the west, in the depths of the sea, behind your back, never to be remembered. Lord, I just thank you for the the free forgiveness of sins. May we all rest in that. God, I thank you for these that are faithful to give to you in their tithes and their offerings. I pray, God, that you will give us the wisdom we need to be the stewards that we ought to be in regards to what to do with the funds. Direct us, God. Give us knowledge. Give us wisdom. Give us the direction that we need so that we are very pleasant in the money that is given to this ministry and this service. God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. I pray for Pastor that as he speaks this morning, God, that you would speak through him in a mighty way. May your Holy Spirit have freedom this morning in our hearts and in our minds. We pray this in Jesus' name.
them new and bring you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise, Lord. Open our hearts for what you have for us this morning. Everything I'm going to speak to today will directly reflect 
God, we are a thankful people, a people that acknowledge that you are everything. And God, we acknowledge that you can't do anything without you. God, we understand clearly who you are. God, help us to help the world to know your things. God, may our actions and our words and our deeds not display who you are. Help us to be for we are followers of your love. We love you, Jesus, and we do. When we have misconceptions with the lies we know, we are not seeing things properly when we see that error on our side of it. Often misconceptions are caused by a lack of communication or a lack of knowledge on our part or the part of the person who is trying to, to tell us the information. Now this can lead to serious problems and issues when we have people that are on different we must learn to communicate properly or the message that we're trying to portray with less. We must learn to listen thoroughly or the message we can receive is not accurate. This happens when we text message all the time because text message there is no tone unless you're really good at your emoji game. Right? If your emoji game is strong, then you can get tone. But if it's Conceptions I often see among believers are this who God is to us and who we are to Him. And Peter gets this so wrong, and this directly affects our walk with our Savior. The Bible teaches us, however, accurately on both of these things. Psalm 139, verse 14, is our first verse of the day, says this. It says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knows well. You want to know who you are? You are the Lord, and that's a perfect place to start right there. My friends, we have cause to praise the Lord, and if you don't have cause to praise the Lord, let's hang out and read with you. He has made you beautifully. You were made so great, and you were made so intricately. In fact, Candace just said that when she was closing out uh, the work I had worship. I thought that was neat how that tied into the message today. Uh, guys, as we were out this week, I want to say thank you to the people that were able to step up and all that. I want to say thank you to Kevin Rose, who once again faithfully brought the word uh, Wednesday night. I want to say thank you to the audience. Uh, who were faithful this week and led the youth group for us. And, and uh, I hear there was a great charade game that went on, and somebody guessed a good looking pastor in it. And that's a good looking bearded pastor, I should say. And I want to say thank you to Scott Kirby for doing God's work for the men's group this morning. Uh, we really appreciate that. So you were made so, so, you were made so great and so intricate. In fact, those who study cells, the articulation of our limbs, the smooth functioning of our bodies, stand off at how wonderful this creation of God is. To study the complexity of our anatomy, 
and disregard God as creator makes it a level of faith that is terribly reckless. To believe that all this happened is what it's all and take a level of faith I'm afraid I just don't have. We are brilliantly and we are intelligently designed by a truly marvelous creator. Think of the adaptation real quick of our blood clotting. Blood clotting would have had to have been part of an evolutionary process. So by that case, we let everybody have let out before the adaptation took place. We see an intelligent design all the way through our bodies, through and through and through. Maybe we should say, hey, I don't believe you with Jesus. That's not, that's, that's, yeah, that's between you and God, okay? But don't for one second try to say that you just happen along. That's about as foolish as it comes. When you see God as creator, it changes everything that you see from here on out. When you look at the stars, you can read Isaiah 40, that God knows the stars. You can read in scripture about the, 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 the about the account of creation in the book of Genesis. And it's a good time to read the account of Genesis this week. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy the account of creation. And what we realize as we're reading the scripture is that all life comes from the Father. And because all life comes from the Father, we know that God loves everyone. Everything. There's no exceptions. There's not a point when there's not a person that walks this planet who our God does not love. And he loves them all. And because he loves everyone, we need to reach everyone with this beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. The psalmist knew this. As you read through the beautiful psalms, if you're ever just discouraged or you're ever just down, crack open your Bible to the book of Psalms. You're start to read. In Psalm 100, verse 3, it says this, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. God alone is worthy of our praise. Why waste your breath on anything else? There's nothing. We are his and he is ours. Isn't that a beautiful truth? And we were created for fellowship with him. In Isaiah 43, verse 7, it says, Bring all who claim me as your God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. So God's taking the credit for you. You were not a mistake, you were no accident, but here on purpose. We are created by God, belonging to God, in fellowship with God, and for the glory of God. That's why you were created, and what did we choose? Those rebellion. But while sin separated, the plan to bring us home was already in place. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we see exactly what happened. It says this, for the wages of sin is death. What is a wage? A wage is something earned, not just given. A wage is something that you work for. So the wages of sin is death. 
and the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And the thing about a gift is this, you have to reach out and receive it as a gift. And we receive this gift by faith. Not faith in words, we receive it by faith alone. So today, before we go any farther, I challenge you, Adam, I challenge you to choose life. And I challenge you to choose Jesus. Because there is nothing sweeter than learning to trust in Jesus for salvation. And while trusting in Jesus for salvation, understand that you're also trusting him for your life also. And sometimes that's hard for us to understand is that, you know what, I walked an aisle and I, and I trusted Jesus for one day when I passed to take me to heaven. But then it's hard for me to trust him with the day-to-day of my life. And that's where a lot of us get hung up. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 teaches us about this. And listen to what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. And some of you guys know by heart. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Now, years ago, there was a Bible student who was graduating from uh, a Bible, a university Bible school, college. And he was going to be a pastor. Well, this particular school was a tradition that when a new pastor was ready to graduate, that he got to preach a sermon before he left. And everybody would kind of get to see the product of what took place in the young man's time there at school. Well, it came time for this young man to get to preach, and right before he took the pulpit, he saw one of his group, one of the Professors come in and he loved and respected and would tell them high esteem. And when you know, he walks down the aisle, where does he sit? You know, uh, well, the young man began preaching and preaching he did. I mean, he was getting after it. He was, he was telling them everything that he knew. And he was, he was uh, doing a great job portraying Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm halfway through with this message. The old professor got up. And he left the hall right there in his message. Well, of course, while the, the young man preaching didn't show it, of course, he should have left it there during the service. And he wanted to know, man, what did I do? What did I say? Um, that would have made him leave. And right after the service, the young man left the building and he went looking for the professor. And finally, he came upon him and he asked him, you know, what was wrong? And the professor looked puzzled immediately. And he said, nothing, man. I came by to see if you trust in a big God or a small God. And after saying that, he said, well done, son. You serve and preach a big God. Now, you see, I am convinced that those who have trouble trusting God have a severe deficit of who they think that Jesus when we don't really understand who God is, it creates a false narrative inside of us. And our trust in Him suffers because of it. Peter made a declaration about who he believed Jesus to be. Let's read it in Matthew 16, 13 through 16 together. We have a copy of God's Word. We get Matthew 16, 13 through 16. And listen to Peter's declaration about Jesus. It says this When Jesus came to the region, of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say 
that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now, Caesarea Philippi was a town in the northeast of Galilee, very close near the source of the Jordan River where it was connected to the sea. In verse 14, we see that public opinion placed our Lord on the highest human pedestal by identifying him with their prophets of days past, their hero of the Lord. And one from the present, John the Baptist, that they held in high regard. And while that would be an honor for some of us, and while that would be the opinion of the masses, somebody can have an opinion, even the masses can have an opinion, their opinion still be wrong. They were incorrect. And while he put his foot in his mouth so many times throughout the, throughout the, the beginning of the New Testament, Simon Peter got this one right. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, Peter used the Greek definitive article um, here to designate that Jesus was the son of the living God. Sometimes I think, my friends, that we don't know who we're messing Sometimes I don't think that we know who are playing these games with. The God of the universe desires a relationship with you. He loved you so much that he sent the, that he sent his son to die for you. And yet we take our relationship with him so lightly and for granted. Do they realize who it is? Simon Peter recognized and openly acknowledged our Lord's deity. Now, what about you? Your opinion on this matters. Let's just say it has eternal ramifications. Are you ready to take Jesus at his word? When we don't take him at his word, you know what happens? It shows in the way we live our lives. But we don't. When, 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 when we don't take Jesus at his word, and when, when we don't believe the truth that we've learned and our lives don't show it, it shows that we don't really take him at his word. We have to hide God's word in our heart for more than one, one reason. One reason is that we don't sin against him. Another reason is that we live it, that we walk in it. Psalms 119, says, Thy word is a lamp unto my and a life unto my path. You need answers? Get in the book. You know, sometimes you get in this book and you start to read and God starts ministering to your heart. And sometimes you see that whole path lit up, don't you? And then sometimes all you see is a like lantern by your foot while you see the next step. That's normally where we are as a believer. That God shows you that next step. And then you're faithful that what he showed you after that, that next step. And then what he showed you after that, we'll through that next step. And people are just missing over there about his faithful his word and his Holy Spirit talking about that. You have to take the word of God serious. You need answers, get in the book, you need directions, start reading. 
Are you ready to start living your life as if you could see him face to face? Or do you want to keep trying your own way and see where that gets you? I don't remind the way got me doing, y'all. Have you ever noticed that a lot of problems we face that we could have missed or that we could have avoided if we weren't ignorant of the scriptures? There is so much practical application in the Bible, but we ignore it by not opening it. We get ourselves in positions that stress us to the breaking point. And we get ourselves in positions that push ourselves to ridiculous limits just to make ends meet. And maybe if we would have read the book of Proverbs, we would have avoided it. Aren't you tired now? When you see God looking at you saying that, again, and all the while, the Word of God will show you exactly who you are in Him. Oh, but you have questions. Great. Me too. Let's find them out together. You think you're the only one with questions? You think everybody sitting here knows it all? You think we don't have questions too? No, though our faith is strong in Jesus Christ. I think it is, though. Find your identity in Him. Draw near to God, the Scriptures say. He will draw near to you. I was walking in a church one day with a friend, and this old fellow stopped me, and he pointed at my Bible and said, young man, be careful with that. It will change your life. It changed my life, it has. We need to love and cherish the Word of God, not neglect it. Often people who love each other begin to drift apart. And you know what one reason is? They lose contact with God. They stop connecting on real levels. It happens in relationships all the time. It could be friends. It could be a business partner. It could be a marriage. And we drift. That's because to maintain a relationship, there's no magic pill. There's no cruise control. It's being aware that relationships be nurturing. And your relationship with the Lord is no different. If we're not careful, the burden of the day creates so much noise that we can no longer hear the voices of the one that we love most. <clears throat> and we stop hearing the voice of the Lord. Instead of responding to his still small voice, we are responding to the loud demands of the enemy. Instead of realizing that Jesus tells us that his Burden is easy, that is joke is light. And when we stop listening to the Lord, we start trying to wing it on our own. We are forced to freelance. So we try to make it up as we go along. We try to fake it until we make it. It doesn't work like that. And as a believer, it never leads to what we're looking for. And one day you wake up and you say to yourself, How on earth did I get here? The outcome is never that for which we set out for. How many times have our Lord hear up for us cry, oh God, if I would have just listened. God's will for us as individuals, as a church, is the same. And God's will for our lives is to bring honor and glory. Individually and together as a church. Not take away, not to make vain attempts to try to manufacture something that appears to be from the Father. That's what the enemy does. Church, what we want 
to be is a people who are genuinely letting the Lord have his way in their lives. And if we will be that kind of church, it will, it will be a church that's useful for Jesus. Do you know what I have finally learned to do after all these years of ignorance and ignorance if you're not careful to become arrogance? To listen and to trust. I have learned to listen what Jesus is saying to my heart. And I have learned to trust the message that I have received and walked in it. It is a, it is a discipline in my life like anything else. And it is yours too. You don't just arrive one day. Age does not equal maturity. And all that people say amen because we have plenty of people that have age and they like maturity, don't they? It is daily dying to self and letting Christ have his way in your life. And as we mature in Christ, it is then that we begin to see God's hand clearly. At times you can see without seeing. You just know our faith begins to grow because you have seen what Jesus has done in the past and you look forward with expectation of what he's going to do in the future. And our faith grows the top of it. And there's a level of faith that we achieve by exercising obedience. Eventually, you have been conditioned to hear his voice. And you trust his prompting because of it. This comes by exercising your faith. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had also laid hold of me. Paul says we need to lay hold. This literally means to grasp completely. This literally means to apprehend. Apprehend what? What is he talking about? Christ's purpose for your life. God's desire was to reveal his son in Paul, and God's desire for you is the same. Not to be an apostle, but to be that which God has called you to be, and serve him wherever he has got you. A few verses down in Philippians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Let those who are spiritually mature agree on these things. In Christ, we should all be growing together. I'm growing, you're growing, we're all growing together. In every aspect of our Christian lives, it is not our Lord's desire to leave you where you are. He wants to take you farther than you can imagine. Have you ever seen a, a, a believer who you consider a mature Christian <clears throat> handle something a certain way and know that if you were in the same position, you're like, there's no way I could walk away from that. You ever been there? And you're thinking to yourself, I was at a totally wrong life at the moment. Right there. I've been there too. It's not our, it's not our Lord's desire to leave you where you are. He's got places for you to go. And at times, growth is very uncomfortable. I remember as a kid visiting the key um, with 
my uncle, uh, Harry and Ernie Daniels, who's from Hyde, and they would take a trip to the Keys every year um, during lobster season. And we, I grew up in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. And we wouldn't go down and meet them, or me and my sister would go down uh, before my parents and spend a week with them. Um, we'll stay parked on our called John's Mission at the Well, I've never really seen hermit crabs before. Maybe you know about it, but what do hermit crabs have to do as they grow that are not in home? They don't grow their own shells, they have to find a place to live and get rehabilitated. Now, sometimes you can see, you know, a bottle cap moving. One of them is staying at home in a bottle cap. Or one of them will go find a new shell. Point being is as they grow, they're no longer comfortable where they were. Have you noticed that as you're as you grow in Christ, maybe you're no longer comfortable saying things you used to say? Maybe as you grow in Christ, you're no longer comfortable going to the places you used to go. Maybe as you grow in Christ, there's you're, you've got friends you still love and you still care for, but man, that, that conversation hurt my ears, you know? And so as we grow in Christ, we should. There should we should see change. There should be things. God wants to take you somewhere else. And just like that crap, sometimes you get us to move, God has to make us uncomfortable where we are. And he has to move us. Do you know what caused the first century church to leave Jerusalem? God actually used what the enemy meant for evil and used it for good because what happened as the church began to get the church of Jerusalem got persecuted for what they had to do. They had to disperse. A fancy word for that is the diaspora. And what happened from there is that the church got persecuted so they had to move to different regions and farther and farther and farther. So I don't know, you know here we go. The gospel's in So you never know what God's going to use. You never know what God's going to use. You know, he could even use persecution, fierce persecution, to go to church. Sometimes in our lives, things come unglued all around us like this. Doors are closed left and right, and they are being closed maybe because God is trying to move you somewhere. Remember, his ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. So when something happens to you as a believer, know that it passed through the Father's hands first. Not that you could handle it, because you probably can't, but you could handle it with Whoever told you that God won't put nothing on you, can't handle God to you. Can't find it in scripture. But I do see a Bible telling that my God will never leave me or forsake me. But I know with all confidence that whatever I'm going through, that God knows all about it. And I can handle it with him. Isn't that good? Look at it. I'm wrapping up. I hope you feel like you just got a drink out of a fire hydrant.
about five messages in there. Pick the one you like the best, okay? So here's the first, here's, here's the second. God does not want to leave the room alone. He wants to take your wife and your family and make something beautiful out of it. He wants to bring you places that you had no idea you could have got to on your own. I would have to say, I think most of you guys two years ago wouldn't have thought you'd be sitting here this morning, would you? Get that work closer to you, church. Get a hold of Jesus and see what he's got to. Let's stand together and pray. And then let's sing a song of congregation God, thank you for your word. God, thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, thank you that you do surgery on us from the inside out. God, our obedience, our obedience is what you ask for, God, not sacrifice. May we simply do what you say. God, help us to be men, women, boys and girls who are about the book. Help us be followers of the way. God, give us a vision for your world, Lord God, and show us where to serve. Thank you for loving us, Jesus. Let's sing together, church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 